0: Well, good morning. Well, thank you, I appreciate that. I tried that at Lake Mary last week and no one said good morning. And I was like, oh, that's really sad. Uh, and happy Mother's Day um, to, to the moms uh, in the room where uh, we are so grateful to you. We wouldn't be alive if it weren't for you. And so uh, so we credit you hugely um, for that. Our, uh, our youngest, Ashley, who's nine, you know, walk out this morning uh, you know, getting ready uh, to, to come here and it's like 6.30. And I know, I mean, Mother's Day, Brandy, the thing that she would love most is to be able to sleep till 7.30. I mean, that's the dream. And, uh, and I walk out, and, and Ashley is, is making breakfast in bed for Brandy, which is so sweet. Um, and he's rather unskilled in the kitchen, so I helped him out a bit. And you know, by 6.45, he's marching uh, in the room with a way too early breakfast for Brandy. So I know for moms, even, even the demands of being appreciated on Mother's Day uh, can be taxing. So thank you. Um, thank you for all that you do. Uh, our text uh, today is, um, is uh, from Luke 17, and o- overall we're going to be talking about gratitude today, which is also, I mean, I think providential uh, that we get to talk about gratitude on Mother's Day. It could have been, you know, the woman caught in adultery or something like that. Uh, so I was really grateful that I drew, uh, drew this order of, of service. Um, but we're going to be uh, reading from Luke chapter 17, um, and I'll start in verse 11. Now on his way to Jerusalem, Jesus traveled along the border between Samaria and Galilee. And as he was going into a village, ten men who had leprosy met him. They stood at a distance and called out in a loud voice, Jesus, Master, have pity on us. When he saw them, Jesus said, Go, show yourselves to the priests. And as they went, they were cleansed. One of them, when he saw he was healed, came back, praising God in a loud voice. He threw himself at Jesus' feet and thanked him. And he was a Samaritan. Jesus asked, Were not all ten cleansed? Where are the other nine? was no one found to return and praise God except this foreigner. Then he said to him, rise and go, your faith has made you well. When we started uh, building um, the series nine conversations uh, about six months ago, actually, uh, Zach sent out <clears throat> a list of uh, of all the conversations that, that we could draw from and and everyone just kind of got to throw their name in the hat for the conversations that, uh, that they were most excited about talking about or had the strongest connection with. And I'd always liked this text, but, but the reason I, I, I put my name in the hat for this one is I had just gotten back uh, from, uh, from traveling to northern India uh, with, with some friends, and I'd, I'd, um, I'd been uh, trying to travel with Macon Hare, who's, who's a longtime Summit guy and a lifelong missionary, uh, and I've been trying to get him to invite me on one of his one of his trips for years. And so, you know, I'd offer to carry his baggage or anything like that. And he finally took me up on it. And so I ended up going uh, to northern India with he and, uh, and some of his co-workers. And we traveled around. And our goal was to go and see and understand uh, some of the worldviews that that are represented uh, there. Because northern India has uh, the largest or the second largest uh, Muslim population uh, in the world. It has, of course, is the heart of... Uh, of Hinduism, and then two of the three major pilgrimage sites for Buddhism are all in this, in, in the same area in, in northern India. So we went, we and we uh, we did our very best to to gain insight and, and proximity uh, to these different worldviews. And the guys I was traveling with, uh, their you know their mind was and their heart in this was to see what would it take uh, for you know for us to bring the gospel um, to to this part of the world. And so our conversations in the evening uh, would oftentimes uh, revolve around that. And one morning, I was uh, I was up a bit earlier than everyone else, and waiting in the lobby uh, to you know for the group to meet and go and, and and do whatever the day held for us. And I was reading uh, a, a newspaper, and uh, it, was a, it was written in uh, in English. And the um in the kind of the middle section of the newspaper, I read this article that really just I mean it it was very surprising to me. And the article. Was about a woman who had been um, killed in front of her children um, by a, a, a woman and her son, and the, and the offense uh, for which uh, they they had killed her was because uh, she was of a much lower caste uh, than they, and she had accidentally uh, touched their trash bin, and they were so offended um, that this woman of a lower caste would uh, would touch their their things, even their trash bin, um, that they felt justified in killing her. And the article was in some ways. Um, assessing um, their 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 motives and, and whether or not there was, there was justification uh, for for them to take this severe action. And I'm reading and I'm like, no, like no, you should not kill someone for touching your trash bin. And I was trying to understand what like what in the world I was going is going on culturally and all of that. So the guy who was leading us. Uh, an Indian fellow who uh, who um, knew kind of all the ins and outs uh, for us, and had, had grown up in California but lived in India most of his adult life, and I um, mean, he was describing to me uh, that you know that that because of the caste system, there's um, there's this really strong belief that people are living uh, the, wh- whatever karma, whatever whatever they have earned. People are living um, the lives that they've earned, and when someone uh, when someone abuses someone of a lower caste, um, they are just playing into the into the karmic hand uh, that another person has been dealt. And so, those who are well off um, are living what they deserve, or really what their past lives um, have have earned them. And, and someone who's living a difficult life um, is is experiencing the same. And so. As I, as I soaked that in and as, as we walked around and saw you know, people who are incredibly devout, I mean, it's, it, the, the whole trip was, was amazing. Seeing uh, the people, tasting the food, uh, experiencing and really being humbled um, by the devotion uh, of, uh, of um, all the people that we saw to what they believed. My heart really went out um, to those who, who were not included on the positive side. Of the equation for that, and as we talked in the evenings about what it would take to bring the gospel uh, to you know to this to to this place to 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 those people, that you know I thought, gosh, if I was if I was bringing good news, uh, I would bring it to the people who are least likely to find good news in any other part uh, of their life. The people who for whom the world and the worldview uh, was not working. For for people like that woman who had been tragically killed, who everything in her life says you don't matter, you can't. Uh, make a difference you can't earn anything better than the hand uh, that you've been dealt because people in those types of circumstances recognize uh, that that for anything to work in them for in their lives it's going to take a miracle and this is very much uh, the condition that we find uh, the lepers in in this story in in that day and age, uh, the uh, those who were um, who were sick, especially if they are sick with what was uh, suspected to be a contagious disease, they were they were separated uh, from society. Uh, they had to live outside of, of the normal bounds of community, and and there was nothing um, that could change that. If you were if you were permanently ill, you were permanently. Uh, excluded from community and so and so there'd be these colonies these groups uh, of folks who um, who were sick who lived outside of, of the normal community and, and the group of 10 uh, that we find in this passage are living in kind of the borderlands uh, between uh, between Galilee and Samaria and uh, and I'll show a map real quick just to give an idea of of where what's going on and where we're going so Jesus is from Galilee uh, most of his ministry was spent uh, up in that way and if someone uh, wanted to go to Jerusalem um, you could uh, you could go through Samaria, um, which Jesus uh, did um, at least once. Uh, but most people um, would travel around Samaria, and the reason for this was Samaritans were uh, were incredibly distasteful um, to Jewish people. They're, they were offensive in nearly every way, and uh, and, and they're right smack dab uh, in uh, in the in, in the Promised Land in, the, in uh, between you know Galilee. In Jerusalem, and what had happened was the uh, the Assyrians, when they when when conquerors would, would come in, oftentimes they would displace people from their native lands uh, and exile them to somewhere else and repopulate uh, their lands, and that way they'd be able to you know to kind of disrupt the normal power structures and be able to uh, to keep control over over conquered groups. So. So when the Assyrians conquered, they, they, uh, they, they took the Israelite people, sent them, uh, many most of them in exile, and then repopulated the area of Samaria um, with, with foreigners. And the foreigners uh, eventually intermixed and intermingled um, with the remaining Jewish population. They were taught a hybrid, um, kind of half, uh, half-Jewish law. And... Uh, and uh, and then when the when the Israelites came back, they found that this land, this land that had been theirs, that had been so deeply tied um, to their covenant relationship with God, um, almost populated by foreigners. and both the fact that the land was was occupied and that the people who lived there um, were, were not Israelites was offensive um, to the very core of the of the Jewish minds of the worldview because the original covenant that God had made with Abraham said, you know, I'm going to take you to a promised land uh, and I'm going to set you apart and make you a people uh, that, is, that is separate. And through you will come uh, good news for all the nations and and or I'll use you to be a blessing for all the nations. And the Jews had become uh, very fixated on the set apart um, aspect of, of that covenant and even had, had come to see it as a, a set above and so their separateness uh, from the world around them, their purity in their separateness from the world around them was a really big deal. and so having their land populated by people who, who were uh, who were offensive to them uh, ethnically, uh, culturally, religiously um, was uh, was a difficult thing. so most people most Jewish people if they're traveling north to south or south to north would just prefer uh, to go around cross uh, the Jordan River and, and circumvent Samaria altogether so, Jesus is, is uh, in this case, traveling kind of the normal route uh, that Jewish people would take and is, is on the borderlands between Samaria and Galilee. And they're approaching a village, and outside the village, um, you see these, uh, these 10 lepers, and they see Jesus. And by this point, Jesus' reputation uh, had spread quite a bit. And so they, and so they call out, uh, and, uh, and, and they're like, Jesus, please heal us. And Jesus says uh, to them to go and present uh, themselves to the priest, which is something that you would do if you had been unclean, if you had been if you've been sick, if you've been ceremonially unclean. Then you would be um, the, the way that you could be declared clean um, was by the priest. And so Jesus sends them on their way. But but um, apart from that, apart from. Some sort of miraculous healing. There, there would have been no way uh, for for these lepers to be cleansed. They would have been, again, living living separate, living impoverished. And for the Samaritan, there was a bit of a double curse because not only uh, did he have leprosy, but he also um, was uh, was accursed and offensive in, in the eyes of the Jews. Now, modern day uh, equivalent of this kind of quarantine um, that people would live under uh, would happen almost any uh, track or cross-country season in our house uh, and uh, if you if you dare cough sniffle if you like cough to get someone's attention in a conversation anything like that brandy immediately uh, puts you on quarantine uh, and uh, and and it is it's masterful how she works because we have you know we have eight people in our family and uh, and if you and, and so Illness spreads quickly. So if, again, first sign of sickness, boom, you're in quarantine. Uh, and there's like, you know, a little trap door that food uh, comes through a few times a day. And if you have to, if you have to leave the room uh, that's in quarantine, like, you know, she's following around with like double barrel Lysol spray um, and, and never in our lives uh, have, have more than like three people uh, been affected by, by any illness. That has come through this. Now we have the advantage, of course, of Netflix, and you know, if, if someone else, you know, w- when you're in quarantine, you kind of pray someone else will get sick too, so you'll have someone to hang out with. So at least one other person uh, will be infected, and you'll have this uh, sense of community with them. For the lepers, uh, it was it was not quite that extravagant, uh, and uh, and so again, for them, the the only thing that meant community, the only thing that meant the opportunity to rejoin um, society, was a miracle. Shy of that. The world wasn't working for them. Just like that woman who's an undercast in India, uh, so for these men. Everything in their lives said the world isn't working for you and there's nothing good that can come from this. And then there's this turning point. In this story and it's a pretty simple story but there's this turning point you have you have the 10 men all cry out to Jesus Jesus sends all 10 of them uh, to, to the priest all 10 are healed on the way um, but there's a turning point when one returns and says thank you and Jesus makes a big deal of this I don't know if his uh, 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 if his surprise was 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 merely to drive home the point he's trying to make uh, to those who are traveling with him but he you know he, you can get this sense of like What's this? I, you know, weren't all ten healed? Why did only one come back? And the guy who came back is a foreigner? And there's this, there's, Jesus is making a big deal um, about the fact that, uh, that uh, this one guy came back and said thank you. As I was, uh, as I was uh, reading uh, some commentaries in preparation for this, uh, one commentary said, We're inclined uh, to think of ingratitude as a relatively minor sin. But in fact, it is one of the worst sins in the Bible. I wasn't sure I agreed uh, with that right away, but I I do get the point. If we are incapable of gratitude, then we're incapable of seeing uh, our need and incapable of seeing all that we've been blessed with. Gratitude is important because it recognizes that there's something good in our lives that got there because of someone else. It's an affront to pride, to self-reliance, to independence. Gratitude really goes goes right to the heart uh, uh, of the lie that, that mankind, that Adam and Eve believed in the garden. The lie that said, that said, you can be like God. And in our in our hearts and in our souls was planted the seed, this this desire to have everything that we need in life without having to count on on God or anyone else for that matter. And gratitude challenges that and gratitude can be a really diff- difficult thing uh, and uh, and you know this if you're uh, if you've ever been uh, a parent um, you know that one of the main things that you that, that you want to teach your children and one of the one of the repeated lessons again and again and again when children are growing up is uh, is, is the reminder um, to show gratitude when Brandy and I first became parents where we decided we wanted the most oft-heard phrase in our house to be I love you. And uh, and I think we've been pretty good with that, but probably uh, the second most oft-heard uh, phrase is say thank you, or please say thank you, or don't forget to say thank you, or did you say thank you? And, uh, and we've realized over the years that that the times we need to say that the most to, the, to our kids are the times where we're forgetting um, to model that in, in our own um, interactions, to, to, to show and cultivate a model gratitude for our kids, and and uh, and there are seasons in life, and see, and and seasons in our kids' lives where gratitude feels like you know it's a, it's a punishment. Like if someone has to say thank you, it's like now you have to say thank you, and it's like admitting defeat um, to say thank you. And I think we can all resonate that with that in some sense. The only person in our family who's consistently uh, like just, just love showing gratitude. Uh, is Ashley our youngest, who made Brandy breakfast in bed uh, this morning, and he's so fun. I mean, I'll you know I'll I'll need help changing the oil on the car, and we'll be changing the oil, and he'll be like. Dad, thank you so much uh, for showing me how to change the oil on the car. Because if I you know, grow up and get married and have kids one day, you know, I can teach my sons how to change oil. And I'm like, yes. I was like, I just needed help. Uh, but this is awesome. And I'm like, of course, son. I'm happy to do it. Next week, I'll show you, you know, how to pick up dog poop in the backyard in case you ever have dogs. And uh, you know, don't take advantage of that at all. But, but, but for most of us, we, like, the, the, there is a battle um, for, for feeling, showing, expression, expressing gratitude. It's because in our hearts is that uh, that part of us uh, that doesn't want to need anything from anyone. Gratitude acknowledges that there's a debt. It's not necessarily easy uh, to show gratitude the bigger the debt. I think it's also possible to just miss gratitude, to miss the things that we have to be grateful for. I think there are two main things uh, that rob us of, uh, of gratitude. One is missing what we've been given just missing it forgetting it maybe we don't see it or maybe we don't want the thing that we ought to be grateful for the other day brandy and i were were sitting with um with a, a couple of our kids and we just it was one of those rare moments where you don't have anything to do and you can talk about whatever you want to talk about and uh, and so samuel our oldest son I was asking why we haven't bought a house in the country yet with with land and and he was uh, he was hailing back to uh, conversations that uh, that, that really go to, for me to the heart of my childhood. I grew up out in the country and had room to roam and trees to climb, and I loved it, and I, and I wanted that uh, for for our kids, well, I wanted that for me, and pretended to want it for our kids uh, so that I could pretend it wasn't selfish. And so over the years, uh, you know, we, we, we've toyed with the idea um, every now and then. And so he was asking why we haven't done it yet, and the implication was, you know, I'm, I'm 13, I'm going to be out of the house uh, before you know it, and, and you still haven't given me this the, this thing I'm entitled to. And... Uh, and so, as we talked about it, um, one of the things the, the, the drift of the conversation was towards recognizing all the ways that God has blessed us um, in our in our current house. And we've been deeply blessed uh, in our current house. It was it, we, we were able to rent it before we bought it and it, and it, and uh, and it got us out of a really um, sketchy uh, apartment complex uh, where where we're getting increasingly increasingly concerned about Brandy's safety. it um it provided, it was big enough that I provided a way for my sister and her family um, to also uh, escape the same difficult uh, situation while they saved up to buy a house of their own. It was someone's first home. We had our first partnership class uh, in, in the living room. It's, um, the, it's just blessing after blessing, provision after provision has happened in this house. And as we got to talking about it, all the ways that God has provided, all the things that he has done, and the fact that you know this house that seemed so big uh, before we had kids seems now so... Appropriate uh, to to the size of our family and uh, and it just it, and I had this just deep sense of of gratitude for God's uh, provision in that in that material thing and uh, and the idea of of giving that up for the sake of, of chasing something else that we seemed uh, entitled to didn't hold nearly uh, the appeal. And we left that conversation not with a commitment uh, to to get out of this place and get to the place of our dreams, but really a commitment uh, to to our, our, the yeah, a commitment to be grateful to God uh, for what he's given us and a commitment um, to not want uh, something um, at, at the expense of what, uh, of what he's already blessed us in. Sometimes we just don't see uh, the things uh, that, that we've been blessed with. And that is a material example. And ultimately, uh, what we're talking about when we're talking about gratitude is, 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 the, is the spiritual provision of God. But, but his provision isn't just spiritual. It goes into our relationships and our circumstances as well. And, that, as well. and that, was, uh, that was one. So one of our gratitude robbers, missing what we've been given, either because we don't see it or because we don't want it. The other is believing we're owed or entitled what we've been given. We believe the things uh, that 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 are a blessing to us are something um, that that uh, that we ought to have by right. I was reminded of this uh, in uh, in another, again, silly material um, way, but. Uh, I, I drive a, a truck that I just love. Uh, it's an old uh, Ford truck. It, it doesn't have air conditioning. Um, you have to really work uh, to get the windows to roll down. It's like if you go anything over 55 miles an hour, it shakes uh, like your head's gonna fall off. It's loud, but not fast. It's it's everything you could possibly want in a truck. And and I love this thing. I've had it for like a dozen years. and. Uh, and um, the other day, uh, my in-laws, who are so dear, they gifted Brandy um, with, with a, a minivan that was like 40 times better than the one um, that she'd been driving. And, uh, and so then we found ourselves, of course we were grateful for that, but we found ourselves uh, kind of having one extra vehicle and, um, and still only two licensed drivers. In her family, and so and so, I was really struggling with: well, should we keep it? Should we give it away? And uh, and, and Brandy was very firmly um, in the we should keep it, Camp, and I was uh, uh, and I was struggling with that because I thought like, what? it feels so excessive to have uh, to have this vehicle that we don't really need, um, and it could be a blessing to someone else. And so for a few months, I kind of struggled, uh, of course, entirely internally uh, with that. And Brandy and I were at a uh, a weekend journey of generosity thing where it's basically open conversations about how to be generous uh, with all the things that God has given us stewardship over. And there's this devotional time in there. And during this devotional time, I kind of brought back to God, um, and maybe brought to God for the first time, the struggle I was having in my heart about why were we keeping this thing that we didn't need, and it was impractical, and it could be doing so much uh, more, And, and God very clearly, gently, but very clearly, uh, pointed out to me that I had never once, in all these months of angst about this other vehicle that I didn't want, offered up to God uh, my truck as anything uh, that, that, I mean, it's the least practical vehicle, I think, in the world, certainly in our family, and I never once uh, considered that maybe that should be the extra vehicle uh, that goes. And I was so immediately humbled by that, because I moved uh, in this little, again, silly material blessing, I, I moved uh, from being grateful for it um, to to being entitled um, to it, and to feeling like this thing w- w- was off limits and being surrendered to God. This thing, this thing, was mine by right, and so would not be a factor in this conversation. And I, of course, immediately repented of that and and kind of worked out a deal with God, where now at this point my truck is in constant jeopardy uh, of uh, of being used for kingdom purposes, and so uh, and so. Um, I'm grateful for it every day now. Again, it's a a silly material example of of, of the greater spiritual reality. That For us, gratitude is a significant thing, and there are things that can block us from being grateful for for God's material provision, his relational provision, um, and ultimately spiritual provision. And we don't want to miss the point with gratitude and think that gratitude is merely about feeling thankful and saying the right words of gratitude, or the right words of thanks. Gratitude is deeply tied um, to our hearts. And if we cultivate gratitude in our hearts, then our hearts can be tender, become tender for those who are not yet included. See, I believe that there is a direct tie between our, 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 our level of gratitude and our hearts for those who are on the outside. I mean, think back again to this poor Indian woman who, who's, uh, who's written about in this, uh, in this newspaper article. And the justification um, for, for the harm that had been done her um, was, was the fact that the, the people who had harmed her had earned their privilege in life. And she had earned her disprivilege in life. And all they were doing was, was, was living into this karmic sense uh, of justice within the caste system. And for us, if we're not able to see the things that we have been blessed with, the things that are privileges in our lives, if we can't see those as gifts, gifts from God, if we can't cultivate hearts that are grateful for that, if we can't see the, 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 the debt we are in to our Savior, then we miss the opportunity to want that for other people. Because we feel like we, we have earned our, our place, our position, our relationship, our spiritual status in, in life, and, and we can't see that but for a miracle, we would all be in the same place. We would all be in a world that is not working for us. And we can have compassion for those who who are on the outside when we recognize that but for Christ, all of us would be on the outside. In Christ, we have everything or everything we've ever needed was done for us in him. And there's nothing that sets us above anyone else. And the only thing that sets us apart is that we have been given a gift And that gift is freely offered to everyone. So gratitude, I think, is an essential spiritual discipline in recognizing reality, rejecting pride, and having our hearts tender towards towards others, towards those who are not included. A couple weeks ago when we had uh, the baptism... Out of Bethune Beach, it was a beautiful day, and uh, and there are always moments uh, that stand out as as kind of capturing the the essence of the day, and uh, and Zach and I were baptizing this one woman who um, who she was. Kind of middle of life. Uh, and, uh, and she comes out, and we're asking the questions. And he asked question, you know, the, the identity of Jesus. Do you believe Jesus is who he said he was? Uh, do you trust in him for your uh, forgiveness uh, of your sins and for your salvation? And is it your intent uh, to follow him all the days of your life? And in the middle question, the one about, do, do you understand all that Jesus has done for you? The woman said, uh, yes. And then she paused for just a moment. She said, and I'm so grateful for it. And she said it in a way uh, that was entirely credible. It was, it, it was said uh, from, a, from a person who had seen uh, what life has to offer outside of the gospel of grace. She lived every possibility that she could muster on her own, and she, and she, and she knows where all those things lead. And for her, when she said, I'm grateful for it, it was true. It was true uh, for, for her and ultimately for its true of all of us who are in Christ that we have so much to be grateful for because without Christ, we have nothing. And in him, we have more than we can possibly imagine, certainly more uh, than we're entitled to. And in him, we can have the hearts and capacity uh, to to want the same for other people as well. This week, uh, I'd like to give us all a very practical challenge, uh, and that is... Um, to cultivate a habit of uh, of, of gratitude uh, this week, because gratitude isn't just simply how we feel; it's uh, it, it's how we respond, it's how we it, how we act. It can be grown uh, in us, and and I would encourage us uh, to grow our hearts uh, in one or all of these three uh, practical ways. Um, the first is list what you have to be grateful for in your life and thank God for those things, right? Pretty pretty easy, um, but so easy uh, to miss. Think that uh, story of, of the house with Brandy and I. Like, we, we live in our house every day. It's obvious. Uh, it, it's in our face all the time, but we hadn't stopped for a while um, to list all how God had blessed us in that. So make a list of this. We can actually write it down and list the things uh, that you have to be grateful for in your life and then actually thank God uh, for those things. The second thing, remember it is, uh, what it is that you pray for, um, and give thanks uh, for those answered prayers. Remember the things that you, we, we so often uh, pray for—the things that we need, the things that we want uh, for others—but um, oftentimes we forget to say thank you uh, when God provides. I was reminded of this a few weeks ago. We we were uh, we're in a new dorm in in the jail. We'd, they, we 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 moved to a new environment. It wasn't. Wasn't necessarily a really uh, great conducive environment for the worship service we were doing, and. And the, the, most of the guys in there weren't, weren't used to us. So it was a bit chaotic the first week. And so we spent, uh, you know, we, we asked everyone the next week to pray uh, that that we'd be able to have this, uh, to, to like have a calmer environment um, in the dorm that we're in, in the jail, so that uh, so that we could make the most of this opportunity we have to be, you know, to be a light of Christ in, in, in this new dorm with these new people. And we we're excited about the potential, but discouraged about the distraction. And so we prayed about it. And the next week we go in and it's like completely calm. It was like walking into... A completely different room. Now, the 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 CO, uh, the, the officer in charge, took credit uh, for the for the calmness, uh, and we almost in that forgot uh, forgot to to thank God um, that that He had given us exactly what we wanted. And that week, as we sat and we did service, we 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 saw these men who otherwise weren't engaged, and last week had been actively disengaged. Uh, sitting, granted, in their bunks, but still within hearing of us, and and gradually over the course of the service paying more and more attention to the service, and that has continued uh, in the weeks since, and we almost forgot to thank God for that. Remember the things that you pray for, and then thank God when he provides. And the third thing, uh, choose choose a time to be actively grateful. Uh, John Calvin said, we have short me- memories in magnifying God's grace. Every blessing that God confers upon us perishes through our carelessness if we're not prompt and active in giving thanks. So pick a time this week. Maybe it's the time where you're least likely to be grateful, like you're at the you know in traffic on the way to work uh, in the morning, and and choose that time uh, you're going to be grateful and you're going to actively uh, recognize the things that God has provided for you circumstantially, relationally, and spiritually. Um, and even in difficult circumstances, uh, you're going you're gonna to commit to express gratitude for, to God for his provision. Do one or all of those three things uh, this week and see what God does in your heart. And maybe even see how God begins uh, to, to have you look at the world around you um, with eyes that are more tender for those who are not included. Let's pray. Heavenly Father, we're, we are grateful. We're grateful for the fact that you have have given us so much more than we deserve. There's nothing in your goodness that we are entitled to, and yet you freely, because of your goodness and through your grace, give us more than than we could ask or imagine. I pray that this week you'll give us in in our own lives, in our own circumstances, even in our in our struggles, that you'll give us uh, a sense of your provision that you give us reminders uh, to show gratitude towards you and to those around us. And ultimately, that as we we do that, as we cultivate the discipline of gratitude, that our hearts will be soft towards those who are not yet included, so we can be better expressions of your love and grace to the world around us. We pray this all in your holy and precious name. Amen.